How I Became a Spy, Chapter 31. We followed the spry housekeeper into a neat sitting room adorned with lace dollies, embroidered pillows, and a woven rug of pale blue. What a pleasant room, Mrs. Clark, said Eleanor, reaching out to shake hands. Do you do, you do all this needlework yourself? Not waiting for an answer, she went on. I'm Eleanor Shea from America. I'd like to present my friends, Bertie Bradshaw and David Goodman. Eleanor, I decided, could talk to anybody. Please sit down. Mrs. Clark beckoned us to a love seat, where we huddled like pigeons on a rooftop. I held L.R. tight. There were lots of fragile things she could knock over. I imagine you've come about Miss Smith, Mrs. Clark was saying. Dear Vi, as I've come to think of her. Vi Smith? Was that our Violet? Before I could speak, Eleanor said smoothly, How's Vi doing, Mrs. Clark? Oh, much better, love. I discovered her quite by accident, you know. I found her after that horrid air raid last Friday when I went to empty meal scraps into the bins. Luckily, I was able to rouse Miss Smith and help her inside. Why, the poor girl might have frozen to death. She paused. Though, I did notice a strange thing. It seemed someone had covered her with a jacket. Um, that was me, I explained. I'm a civil defense messenger. Actually, my little rescue dog here is the one who found Vi, er, Miss Smith. But when I returned with help, she disappeared. We thought maybe she'd gone home. And this street is mostly shops, so we didn't think someone might have taken her in. We are quite hidden away here, that's true, said Mrs. Clark. Has she been very ill? Eleanor asked softly. Oh dear, yes. She can sit up now to drink some broth, but she was quite agitated when I refused to let her get out of bed today, replied Mrs. Clark with a shake of her pearly curls. I remember that terrifying flu epidemic in 1918, after the Great War, and I won't risk a patient of mine having a relapse. We're ever so grateful for your kindness, Eleanor beamed at Mrs. Clark. Miss Smith is my tutor, you see. She was on her way home last week when she fell ill. My father and I have been at our wits and searching for her. And by chance, we heard the wardens on Maddox Street speak about your extraordinary nursing skills. That's what led us here. As their conversation continued, David turned to me and said under his breath, how does she manage to spin these stories? I think Eleanor is pretending to be a Mayfair society lady, I whispered back, like that clerk she met in the bookshop. Mrs. Clark was getting to her feet. Now, I can't let you see her for long, mind you, but I think she can be safely moved to your house this weekend, Miss Shea. I'll look forward to hearing from your father. Eleanor smiled, and for a minute I thought she might curtsy. And I know my father will wish to make a donation to St. George's Church to show our gratitude. Mrs. Clark led us down a hallway. Knocking gently, she opened a door. Miss Smith, you have some young visitors. I'll bring tea in a moment. She closed the door and we stood silently, staring at the young woman in a pink dressing gown, sitting up in a narrow bed with a cluster of pastel pillows propped up behind her. Violet! Eleanor rushed forward, and it was Violet. I knew it instantly, too not just by her face and her dark hair, but from seeing my own jacket hung neatly on a peg on a wall. I'd have to explain to Dad how I got it back. Maybe I thought it's time to tell the truth. A few minutes later, Eleanor perched on Violet's bed, L.R. in her lap, while David and I sat awkwardly on a straight-backed cane chair, trying to balance plates with homemade scones and impossibly delicate teacups. David finally slurped his tea in one gulp and returned it to the tray. Mrs. Clark had brought it in and left it on a side left it on a side table. Violet beckoned for David and me to draw our chairs closer. 
Eleanor has told me of your impressive deciphering skills. So you know everything. I could see LR eyeing the bed, so I kept hold of the lead. Don't even think about it, I whispered in one of her furry ears. I didn't think Mrs. Clark wanted dirty paws on her pretty coverlet. Not quite, David told Violet. Your last entry didn't give many details of your escape. Violet smiled. Well, it's a long story. I got out of France by crossing the Pyrenees into Spain on foot. How did you manage it? I asked. Fascinated, I'd never heard Violet speak in person before, but it was as if I already knew her from the notebook. First, I took a train. Sorry, I lost my place. First, I took a train to a small village in southwest France. On the outskirts, I stopped at a farmhouse and met a woman and her son. Luckily, I had enough money to pay her to sew me a traveling outfit, riding jodhpurs and a knapsack. I traded my shoes for her son's old boots. Was crossing the mountains hard? Eleanor asked. Violet nodded, but I trusted the woman's son to serve as my guide, and he knew that trail like the back of his hand. Luckily, the weather was kind to us. Once I reached Spain, I bribed the captain of a cargo vessel to hide me in his hold and bring me here. We sailed in a convoy of other ships. It was during the crossing that I began to feel ill. I rented a room, but only arrived the day before I met you, Eleanor. Did you stay hidden because you didn't want the British to detain you in prison as a possible double agent, I asked. Violet nodded. Yes, I knew that with the Nazis controlling the radio messages to London, they could easily smear my reputation and claim that I was a collaborator. My only chance to unmask the real double agent was to stay free and work undercover. She spread her hands in a gesture of despair and sighed. But now what? I wasn't able to spring the trap today. I'm not sure he'll take the bait a second time. I've failed. And because of that, agents will be captured and killed. And the invasion itself... No, you haven't failed, Eleanor broke in. She took Violet's hand. Bertie found your hidden message in the newspaper. We've just come from Nelson's state column. Violet looked up in surprise. Oh my goodness, what happened? I took up the story. Eleanor pretended to be you. A middle-aged man with a handsome black dog showed up. He didn't speak to Eleanor, but I recognized him as someone I'd spotted before on Baker Street, outside the Inner Services Research Bureau, which we figure is just a cover for the real SOE offices inside. Violet nodded. I went on. We think he must be the traitor, but we don't know his name. Do you? David asked Violet. I mean, do you know someone from your organization with a dog that looks like that? Je suis désolé. I'm sorry, I don't. My training put, took place in the countryside, Violet told us. I had one interview on Baker Street and met with my codemaster there only once. I don't know who this man is. After a minute, I spoke up. Well, that's all right. Leo Marks will. Leo? Violet said sharply. Leo is the name of my codemaster. How do you know him? My foster family knows his father, David told her. And we went to Marks & Co., his bookstore, to see Leo. We asked, for him, we asked him for advice about ciphers, because we had a hard time cracking your last message. But I pretended it was for school. I never said anything to him about you. Could Leo suspect you're here? Could he have been following you last Friday? I put in. Violet took a sip of tea. I didn't go to Baker Street before I met you, Eleanor. I stood across the street. I thought perhaps if Leo came out, I might approach him. I, I wanted to trust him. 
But then I decided to be more cautious and changed my mind. The secret word for this chapter is going to be... Uh, 10, the number 10. She stopped to cough and put down her cup. We must talk quickly. Mrs. Clark will be back any moment to herd you away and make me rest. I'm afraid, Miss Amy, that I'm not very good. I'm not a very good spy. I wanted Traveler to show himself. She picked at the coverlet with pale, thin fingers. But after that, I wasn't so sure of my next steps. I thought I might go to your father, Eleanor, with my notebook as a backup for my story. But how I get to the highest military officials to listen, I still don't know. Little Ruth stood up on her hind legs and put her paws on me to beg for the last bite of scone. Elar had been part of this adventure from the beginning, and looking at her, I got an idea. Actually, I might know a way we can get a meeting with the Supreme Commander himself, I said. Elar has friends in high places.